Now in its third year, it's a yank on the footy with Craig Wessels talking about the greatest game on the face of the earth. Sit back and enjoy, everybody. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 134 of A Yank on the Footy. I'm Craig Wessels coming to you from Sandusky, Ohio, and thanks for checking out the podcast. I hope you'll share it with your friends and family. In this episode, we continue our 2022 AFL previews. I had the pleasure of sitting down to talk again with Rick Shibani. Rick is a member of the LA Dragons of the USAFL and has previously played footy for a year with the Caroline Springs Lakers Football Club in Victoria. We're going to be talking all things GWS Giants. Now, don't forget that you can find everything related to the podcast over at my website, ayankonthefooty.com. I do hope that you'll consider checking it out. You can leave me a voicemail there. You can share your views on an issue from a previous uh, episode or a round of uh, games, or if you've got a question that you'd like me to answer on an upcoming episode, as well as being able to sign up for the mailing list there, too. And if you're interested in becoming, becoming a guest on the show, you can also reach out on there and fill out the register as a guest button at the top of the page. Now, if you'd like to help out the podcast, and if you do, that's fantastic. You can click on the Buy Me a Coffee button in the bottom left-hand corner of my website. Also, if you're interested in any podcast gear, you can also find that over on my Redbubble page. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoy my chat with friend of the podcast, Rick Shibani. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am thrilled to get the chance to talk again with Rick Shibani of the LA Dragons of the USAFL. Rick is a huge giant supporter, and he's joining uh, the show today to talk about his favorite club and preview what 2022 might hold for the club. Rick, thanks for coming back on again, sir. My pleasure. It's um, who needs frequent flyer miles so you can have frequent podcast miles. There you go. Yeah. If I, if or, I, could I, only... I guess I should say kilometers because we're speaking yeah. as crowd. So. Right, right. <laughs> if, if only I could convert those into what we were just talking about off air, that would be, that'd be marvelous to be able to do that. Uh, although <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully you can get that, uh, that big yeah. bucket list item off your list yeah. soon. Well, I hope to, I hope to have several buckets because if I can do it at that, at that rate, maybe I can convince the wife to actually come with me as well. Cause you know, she, she loves to travel. She, uh, last year she was in, uh, she was in Switzerland. Um, the, you know, two years ago, she went to Iceland and Germany with my daughter and she's heading off to go visit her mom in Mexico next month. So, and she did, uh, like a national park tour out, yeah. you know, through the badlands and that sort of thing. Well, there's some the great fall. national parks in Australia. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to have to figure out how do I get around when I get there, you know, but it was, it's interesting because, you know, when she and I were first married, you know, we, uh, we went on our honeymoon about, uh, we got married in December and we didn't go on our honeymoon until August the following year. And at that point in time, she was a few months pregnant and, uh, she actually got ill, um, when she was there and spent several days in the hospital in, in England. So I'd not been there before. So she's in the hospital. We're staying with some of my sister's family friends and here's my new wife who's pregnant and I'm having to figure out how to drive on the other side of the road in rainstorms. Uh, that was a challenge for me, you know, but uh, so everything worked out though, but yeah, we're, we're here to talk giants. And uh, you know, last year they finished seventh, you know, 11, 10 and one, um, you know, had, Won a cup, won one game in finals, if I'm not mistaken, if I remember correctly. I believe they won one game in finals before dropping out. Mm, yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting season. Like, I mean, whenever anyone is going to talk about it, like specifically when it comes to us and the Swans, I mean, we were on the road for how long? I mean, you know, a we lot. had. Yeah, it was. Of course, it was the uh, related to the lockdowns in Sydney and in New South Wales, and. Yeah, I mean, that's, and of course, this was also while Gil McLaughlin was like, oh, we're not going to do the hubs thing again in 2021. We don't want to, of course, there were so many issues, like with like, wives and partners and kids get, getting into trouble, intentional or otherwise. Right, um, right. In the 2020 season. So yeah, that was, and it was good to see uh, the Swans and the Giants uh, get some respect for that, because like, you know, with the Victorian media, we all know how it can be, how it can be biased and how, um, but I think there was a lot of respect um, on both teams, uh, just playing as well as we both did. Of course, the Swans were, um, 
were surprisingly good. Um, of course, we beat them by only one point in the first or in the uh, in the elimination final before your cats bounced us in the in the semifinals. So, yeah, I mean, it was a crazy season. But again, I, I there were big, I felt like outside expectations were very low for the mm-hmm. Giants. But because I mean, we we you know hadn't made finals in 2020. Of course, there was the blowout loss to Richmond in the right, right. grand final. So I think we earned a lot of respect the hard way. And that's, well, a, good, that's a good, uh, you know, good motivational tool. It's a good yeah. way to look at it. Cause you know, inevitably like you're going to get all the attention going towards the Richmond's and the Collingwood's and the Geelong's, whether they're finals contenders or not. Right. You know, right. Right. Black contenders. They're generally going to dominate the discussion, at least in Victoria. They so yeah. it was definitely satisfying to be a Giants fan in that moment, even mm-hmm. though we didn't make the prelim, even though we right. didn't make the grand final, we, we played with a lot of guts and a lot mm-hmm. of heart. And yeah. I reckon we, um, I reckon we definitely, I don't want to say put the rest of the competition on notice, but when we, when we thought, when everyone else thought we were out and down and out, we weren't. And I think there was definitely a lot of really, uh, really, a lot of really positive things to gain. I mean, Firstly, you know, we proved that even without Jeremy Cameron, we could still have a good forward line. I mean, Jesse Hogan, he's still so injury prone. He's still got, you know, uh, a lot of challenges. But, I mean, he did play very well in the games he was playing last year. He was, like, setting setting his own personal marks, uh, pun intended, when it came to, like, <laughs> contested work, uh, inside 50s. You know, there were some games where he was a bit inaccurate, but everyone has those games. and. I think that was like the most complete season we've seen from Hogan. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, Toby Green and Canelio and everyone else are going to get more of the headlines, but Hogan definitely proved that yes, he still belongs to the AFL because he'd had right. so many injuries. He had so many issues at you know, whether it was mental health struggles, physical struggles, not being a good fit at, you know, Melbourne or with Frio, but I think he's, he's finally in a good space mentally and physically and, you know, hopefully he can last through the full season and give us, you know, a really big bag of goals this year. Yeah. You know, going back to what you mentioned at the outset there, you know, with Sydney and, uh, and GWS having to spend so much time away from home. I mean, you can, you can draw some parallels with what the Eagles and the Dockers have just had to do in the women's comp with them having been gone for the last month. And uh, you know, they're both back home now. Uh, and you know, it, and, and they're in a situation where, and, and, and I don't know about this, whether or not there was any sort of compensation that was provided to, to members on those lists, because, you know, this is a part-time profession for them, you know, so they've stepped away from their actual jobs for several weeks. Did the, you know, I, I wonder, and I don't know this, whether or not the, yeah. the league actually helped to compensate them for having to take a leave of absence from their actual profession. Yes. I hope so. Yeah, I, I definitely hope so. Um, I mean, I, I haven't been following AFL women's as closely as, yeah. you know, as I'd like, but I mean, yeah, I do know all about the Western Australia border situation and how, you know, they were kind of, everyone was kind of taken aback when they delayed the reopening of the border mm-hmm. again. So yeah, you know, you, you hope that, you know, the AFL and you know, the AFLW by extension will step up and, and do something you do, do right by those players because right, you know, right. they were they were all anticipating being able to you know get back to normal like most of the rest of australia is gradually doing so yeah, yeah. uh but but no going back to uh gws i i do think that was a real it was a real maturity moment for the group and i i've been critical of leon cameron in the past and a lot of other gws fans have been too but Leon Cameron did a really good job of keeping everyone together and we had so many injuries and we had to mm-hmm. blood a lot of young blokes who might not have been ready, but also some guys like Tom Green and Tanner Bruin and, you know, uh, Connor Iden, who wound up doing a really, really good job. And of course, before his injury, Sam Taylor would definitely have been in that category because what a phenomenal season he had. And, yeah. and he's such a, he's such a, terrific young talent and for the record I actually knew a Sam Taylor back at Caroline Springs so it, that's 
I always have to chuckle a little bit when I see, oh, Sam Taylor had a ripper of a game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, not exactly a unique name there. Uh, True. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're, you know, not, not a lot of Shibani's rolling around there. And, uh, right. you, know, right. you know, you know, my last name, there's not very many of them either. So, uh, so, you know, you, you looked at what Sydney did, you know, and what GWS did, because they, they basically had to have a repeat performance of what they did in 2020, where they were away from home for, for a lengthy period of time. So I think that maybe that helped again, allow that, you know, and they didn't have the, you know, if you remember the stuff like from the making their, making their mark, you know, the, the, the issues surrounding Stephen Canelio during, during that, which was, you know, a difficult time for him, a difficult time for, you know, Leon Cameron having to deal with his captain, not getting, you know, picked, but overall bringing them back together when they're having to still, you know, be this cohesive unit that's not going home at the end of the night, but still, you know, still, you know, huddling up for all intents and purposes at a hotel or a, you know, a resort or whatever, you know, for weeks on end, you know, can't do anything but help to bring that, you know, that club, a sense of cohesiveness that maybe some of the other clubs that got to go home and sleep in their own beds didn't have. Yeah, no, I, I definitely think, um, yeah, it was definitely a challenge. And again, it was something where everyone had hoped that yeah. they wouldn't have to do that again in 2021. Things yeah. were things were looking, you know, fairly positive on the COVID front when it um, when it came to you know like low numbers of cases, still being able to play games, obviously without crowds, but right, right. The, the AFL trying to adapt. And I yeah. think. And again, the Giants definitely um, showed a lot of grit and a lot of character. And I'm glad you mentioned Canelio as well, because I just saw an article the other day um, saying that he is having an incredible preseason. And Leon Cameron is just stoked that he's good. Canelio's yeah. so good because, yeah, a couple of down years, a couple mm -hmm. of really bad runs with terrible injury luck. And, yeah, yeah. you know, and again, like making their mark, you know, th there were some challenging situations there and, again, Cameron was coming under a lot of fire from, you know, from fans, from the media, like not having Canelio out on the field. But mm -hmm. I, again, you know, he's, he's still young. He's 28. He's still in his prime. I do think that um, he's definitely in position to have a really big bounce back season. And um, he is still going to be co-captain this year. Uh, we're really? doing the captains thing this year, which is kind of unique, but um but no, yeah, I mean, you know, he, he had the, you know, the surgeries. He's definitely looking fit. I think, um, I think he's going to have a big season and, you know, knock on wood, but I'm definitely excited with the way Cogs has been looking in preseason. That's for sure. Yeah. Unfortunately, I... we did, um, we did lose uh, Brent Daniels, who's one of our small forwards. Mm -hmm. um, again, everyone focuses on Toby Green and with good reason. He's a controversial figure and just an incredibly damaging player, but Brent Daniels has had more than his share of good moments with us. And apparently he um, had an accident at training last week, broke a bone in his foot. It looks like, I'm not sure if he's having surgery or not. I'll have to check on that, but it looks like he'll be out four to six weeks. Okay. Like uh, four to six weeks from now or four to six weeks into the season? I think into the season. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think they said like round five. Okay. Round so he's going to, so he's, his return is pretty much going to parallel Toby Green's then. Yeah, yeah. Some um, yeah. yeah, Green is going to have to deal with that um, suspension carrying over from last year, and which you know, know that, and before anyone says it, you know, like I, I get, you know, Toby Green has that reputation for a reason. With yeah. that said, no one would not want him on your team. Oh, you know? absolutely, but you know, but you know. And, and also, also, it, it definitely has become apparent in recent years that there's different standards when it comes to the umpiring. Like you can tell how much they're watching him like a hawk compared mm -hmm. to Cotchin or Dusty Martin or Buddy Franklin or any other player who might not have had the, the suspensions that Toby's right, had. Right, right. Still, still Which, has that fearsome, you know, physical reputation. You don't want to mess with them. You don't want to get into a jumper pulling. Right, right. Them. Like there definitely is a double standard uh, or at the very least a different standard for Toby Green. No, is that justified? You could make an argument for both, but I really do think, and you can see how, how you know, 
I mean, if you believe his side of the story when it came to brushing the umpire that one time, not defending that decision, you shouldn't make contact with the umpire. But he was basically pleading his case that mm-hmm. you just like, you know, May, like, you know, I'm, I'm barely touching the guy and you're you're constantly calling me for free kicks. And yeah. I understood his frustration. Did he go about it in the right way? Of course he did. And obviously, I would not want to be the Giants coaching staff, given all the gray hairs that Toby's given them. But <laughs> then again, then again, he'll, he'll turn around and he'll kick six goals in a game. You right. know, like, it's just right. so dynamic. And, and as someone who's played small forward myself, you know, obviously seeing a guy like him with his speed, his agility, his footy IQ is just off the charts. Mm-hmm. And I, I, again, like obviously a lot of the criticism of him is about, but he is just so damaging when you see him on the footy oval. One of those guys where the second he touches the pill, you just kind of have to hold your breath because well, you I'm, know he's going to do something crazy. If, if I'm not mistaken, didn't they didn't they issue him a shorter suspension and then come back and lengthen it at the end? Didn't they, it was like a two game suspension, and then they came back and added like four more games onto it. If I'm not right. mistaken, which and, you know, and, something like that and and i don't want to assume that like their hands were forced maybe mm-hmm. they were maybe they weren't and again you know when it comes to the tribunal obviously they're going to have to be stricter on players with longer rap sheets you know i, I, I played I, I mean i played with brian lake at caroline springs and of mm-hmm. course he had a pretty checkered tribunal history himself and yeah. you know like not not a bad not a bad guy by any means you know someone who's definitely also misunderstood in the same way that Toby's misunderstood, but if he, if he played hockey, he would know the direction of the penalty box is what you're saying. <laughs> Something like that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, it's, it's, uh, I just thought it was odd that they went back and, and, and changed it after they had made the initial, you know, sure. decision. I just, I thought, you know, I didn't know if that was piling on or not. And by the way, I'll just give you a little bit of a hint. There will be a question related to Toby Green and suspensions coming up here in a moment uh, or a little bit here so just that that's one of the ones that's on the list for us today so we'll uh, we'll see we'll see how you do on that one there so what are your expectations for this year uh I do definitely think um will probably be within that um lower to mid-level final range you know like five to eight seed I okay. mean, again, with, with the amount of talent we still have on the list, it's uh, it's possible to be a prelim contender or maybe even a flag contender. I do think there's definitely a narrative surrounding the Giants when it comes to, and, and this is true of a lot of clubs, don't get me wrong. You hear about it with the West Coast Eagles all the time. Like, when is the premiership window closed? When is it all the way closed? Like, And, of course, you've got to inevitably look at you know the age of the list, when you need to kind of, you know, jettison some veterans who, you know, salary cap reasons, injury reasons, whatever the case may be. So I do think the Giants are in position to still be a finals contender. And I don't think the premiership window is closed because we've developed so many young guys, uh, either through the draft or through the Giants Academy program. Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously the, the Suns, the Swans and the Lions also have academies. And of course the, the clubs on the other side of the Barassi line, you know, the, the Victoria clubs, the, the South Australian clubs, the Western Australian clubs, they've got the new generation academy or the next generation academy players. And um, that's a great thing to have. And um, right. it's the closest thing footy has to like a minor league system, right. I can say. Well, you know, looking um, at their, looking at the, at the list here really quickly, they, you know, at the, by the end of this season, they'll only have seven players that are on the north side of 30 that are on the list right now. That's very so true. That's that's not a terribly old squad. Right. And I and I think, and again, you've still got guys, you know, guys that don't always make the headlines, like mm-hmm. Green or Phil Davis or Canelio. Like, I mean, again, we mentioned Sam Taylor. Uh Matty DeBoer is still uh he's 31, but he plays yeah. like 21. And you know, we've still got um again Tanner Bruin, Tom Green did a fantastic job in the midfield, uh Lucky Ash. Uh, you know, of course, he was a former top five pick. Um, he definitely did a really good job um, when he was when he was playing. Like, um, I know he got I think he got dropped a couple of times. Uh, again, Taranto is is still doing his thing. He's still 24, 25, that area. Right. Right. And, um, and I'm also I've also been really optimistic about guys like uh, Xavier O'Haller and 
Bobby Hill and Connor Iden, you know, there, there's definitely been, even Harry Himmelberg, you know, he hasn't been as consistent as I'd like recently, but, um, but no, there's definitely a lot of young talent. There's a lot of, there's a lot more depth. Again, we had to develop so much depth last year because like there were just so many injuries. Mm-hmm. And I definitely think, you know, with, with the new draft crop and a bunch of other guys that we've been able to develop and keep and, Josh Kelly's still in town. Tim Taranto's still in town. So many of the hot, hot spot, hot button free agents, you know, they've, you know, again, you'll occasionally get Jessica Cameron leaving or, you know, Dylan Shield, of course, left a few years back. But there's so many guys that, you know, that they, they believe in the club culture that the Giants are bringing. And, right, right. You know, you know, it's, it's Sydney's a rugby town. We all know that. But it's good to see them embrace the community aspect of it. I know there's been, a lot of really great stuff in the community. Like, you know, for those of you who don't know, Western Sydney, there's a lot of immigrants, a lot of it's, you know, more blue collar area. And a lot of them are, are a lot of the communities don't really care that much about footy or they haven't historically, but Mm -hmm. now with a a club in their backyard, the, the new South Wales grassroots footy participation rates are skyrocketing. And a lot of that is due to, you know, rugby league and rugby union, not adapting very well and not really I, I guess not you know recruiting kids from a, a young enough age as they've okay. done in the past I think um footy has made a lot of really great inroads in Sydney and in New South Wales as a whole and the, the Giants are definitely part of that and I think if also if you're a young kid um especially since we keep seeing it, it, it sucks you know keep seeing so many players who are burned out or who have mental health problems or need to take a leave of absence you know you hate to see it, but Anthony McDonald to Wood just took right, a right. personal absence. I think we spoke about that the other day on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying it's all Melbourne-based clubs or or or, or Perth or Adelaide or, or places where the media is very harsh on athletes and especially AFL players because that's the big show in town. I, I like to think, and this I could be totally off for the record, but I like to think that a lot of the um, Swans players, Giants players, Suns players, Lions players, I feel like some of them actually really embrace being in an environment where it's not about footy 24-7. And I remember reading um, something from Cal Ward where he was like, yeah, I love being able to grab a takeaway coffee in, in Sydney and I'm relatively anonymous. You know, yeah. I, don't have to, I don't have to feel awkward or, or uh, ostracized or not ostracized, but, you know, like in the spotlight because I'm a pro athlete. And, right. and this is also, you know, like, I mean, Australians are generally very laid back and nonchalant about the idea of celebrity to begin with. Mm-hmm. But it, I think it's good to have players who who don't shy away from the fact that, of course, you know, recruiters are going to be like, oh, don't go to Sydney, don't go to Brisbane, don't go to the Gold Coast. What's going on up there? But I think from a non-footy perspective and from a footy perspective, in kind of a, a backwards way, they're, they're able to embrace it and be able to really thrive in that kind of environment. Yeah, and that's good because you can't fit a, a, a square peg in a round hole. And sometimes, you know, if, if these kids were drafted by the Ruse or the Saints or the, or the Tigers, maybe they could be just as good, but maybe they might've burned out. Who knows? Yeah. So I think um, as much as, as much crap as people like to talk about the Queensland and New South Wales teams, I think they definitely found a place again the Suns still aren't where they should be. Uh, we spent an entire podcast talking about how. Yeah, yeah. But uh, the Giants have made the most of their talent. They've got, you know, some good coaches. They've had some really good development coaches helping the young players kind of find their way. And just in general, I think uh, it's a healthy culture. It's definitely a healthy culture for a footy club. And for, for a club that's only a decade old, that's or a little over a decade old now. That's, that's a big deal. Yeah. So, you know, in many ways that you're talking about kind of being out of the spotlight, it's, it's like, you know, you know, I've seen, uh, you know, instances, and again, I'm not following the game anymore, but you know, like major league baseball players sure. who are, who are phenomenal players that sign huge contracts with the New York Yankees and yeah. they are, they are under the microscope or the magnifying glass of the New York media. And in some cases this would be like the magnifying glass out on the sidewalk with the ants roasting them and they just, they just wilt underneath that media pressure, but they, you know, they go, or like bar Boston, but they go to someplace like a Cincinnati or, you know, or Milwaukee 
or Minneapolis, and they have a great deal of success out of the big media spotlight. And, you know, they become, you know, phenomenal players again, but they kind of, you know, and some people, you know, relish it. You're too young to remember probably a player by the name of Reggie Jackson, who just absolutely relished playing in New York, in New York city. You know, has he, he kind of referred to himself as kind of the straw that stirred the drink, if you will. Um, and he, he just, he loved being in that spotlight, you know, but it's, yeah. but for some people it's, it's kind of good to be away from that. And in, in may, maybe in some cases, even, you know, by, you know, a, a shorter distance, I think that might be one of the things that's appealing with a lot of players, like when Jeremy Cameron made the trek to Geelong, because it's, it's still kind of Victoria based, but it's out of the spotlight of Melbourne. Yeah. You know, it's a little, and, it's a little um, more slow paced. Right. And the reason I was chuckling about when you mentioned Cincinnati is because, um, of course, uh, the Bengals are in the Super Bowl right now. Yes, and, yes. And Joe Burrow, he actually, <laughs> it was so funny. He actually um, mentioned it in a, in a press conference when he was asked about, like, how they've been able to stay so focused all mm-hmm. year. Kind yeah. of shocking the world with how far they've gotten. And he was like, oh, yeah, well, it's Cincinnati. It's kind of boring here. There's no nightlife, so there's no distractions. <laughs> Which is, which is <laughs> yeah, not necessarily uh, a bad thing. Exactly. And you know. I think um, you're also kind of seeing that um, when it comes to a Tasmanian team. Like a lot of people are saying like, oh, what's a 17, 18, 19-year-old Aussie kid going to get up to in, in Hobart? You know, there's like, there's not a ton of stuff in Hobart uh, apart from a casino and some, some good uh, farmer's markets or so I've been told. I actually never got a chance to visit Tasmanian. <laughs> But no, I, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things that's a blessing and a curse. Like you don't have to sweat over players getting into bar fights, but at the Mm -hmm. same time, you do kind of worry in the back of your head to some extent, like, oh, does someone, does someone need to be in an, in an exciting fast paced city in order to fly? Cause obviously some people are like that. And I think, um, but going back to the giants, like, I do think there's definitely, you know, uh, silver linings to living in a non-footy dominant city because again it just allows you to kind of shield away some of the outside criticism whether it's you know legit criticism or bs and also just kind of uh stay locked in focus on footy focus on building those relationships with your teammates and yeah i think it's 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 a good thing to some extent so you you know you talked about the club you know probably being somewhere between fifth and eighth and maybe having the ability to jump up into the top four there. But uh, um, what are the signs that you would be looking for, you know, that if things don't go well, if the wheels tend to fall off, what are the, what are the things that you're going to be looking for that go, uh Oh, this isn't going the way we were hoping this year. Well, again, I'm not going to lie. Like again, with Toby green suspension Mm -hmm. and Brent Daniels getting hurt, I, you know, I, I am a little bit worried about our forward line. Uh, Jake Riccardi, um, he kind of had a down year last year. I know he, um, he, w- he was doing well in the VFL uh, for, it's so weird to think of it as the VFL for a non-Victorian team. <laughs> it's, um, I think, you know, he, he had his moments. I think they're still trying to figure out where best to utilize him because he's one of those guys who can be like either a center halfback or center half forward. Mm-hmm. And he's shown a lot of flashes. He just hasn't been consistent enough. I, he's definitely one of those guys that I want to keep an eye on just because like so much potential. There's definitely a lot of, of physical tools to work with when it comes to a bloke like him. But, and I think he might be heading into a contract year either this year or next. But I, I, I do think, you know, he, he needs a big year. Um, another guy I definitely want uh, – to see stay healthy is Braden Bruce because of mm-hmm. course he was a uh, he was another guy the Giants have gotten uh, on the cheap free agent deal. Of course he got hurt, missed I think the entire season last year, and of course he he had spent time with the D's. He had played at North Melbourne, Queensland boy originally. Um, okay. But I think uh, you know he he's definitely you know he's not Shane Mumford, but not many people are, and I think he uh, he's definitely a great tool to have in the ruck. It's mm-hmm. just. I think he really needs, you know, if he can stay healthy and have a big year, I think that'll assuage some of my concerns. Uh, but basically, you know, like I'm a little worried about ruck depth. I'm a little worried about some of these guys who, 
Uh, you know, Isaac Cumming, he, he had some really bad games at the start of last year, but eventually he, he kind of got the hang of it. He definitely um, began to kind of carve out a role for himself in the, in the back line. So yeah. I think, um, you know, cause I'm looking at their list. I mean, I only, I only see two, I only see two players actually listed as rucks on their, on their list, you know, Bruce and Matthew Flynn. Right. And we, and Flynn is, is like a long-term project player. Yeah. I do think um, it'll be interesting to see what we do with Jared Brand. And he's a guy I'm also excited about because, you know, he was, you know, he's from like the Riverina region. Uh, for those who don't know, that's like, um, New, the border of new south wales and victoria on the murray river and it's also like those parts of new south wales the border of victoria yeah. are part are basically the only part of new south wales that like historically is more footy dominant compared right, to rugby. right in fact i have uh, a i have a uh an episode coming out with uh yeah. somebody who's involved with the albury club down yes. in that area i've yes. got i've got one coming out here and probably uh, next week Right. And, and Jared Brander, I believe he grew up very close to there, but um, okay. yeah, he was a Giants Academy uh, prospect because he was in our recruiting zone. Mm-hmm. Um, he also played a lot of good cricket at a uh, Geelong grammar school too. So okay. um, yeah, no, but um, you know, like West coast, they, they decided to, to uh, grab him. And then they delisted him this past year. Uh, still young, 22, ironically 22 with 22 career games. And I think it'll be, um, yeah, it'll be, I think it'll be a fun homecoming for him because, uh, yeah, you know, like obviously we invested in him when he was a teenager. We weren't able to draft him. You know, it is what it is. But right. I think he's um, he's a real talent. And he didn't really have, like, as much to do at West Coast as he might have liked. You know, of course, they're, they're one of the older clubs. Uh, there weren't a ton of opportunities at his position for him to – uh, crack the senior side but right, right. again the Giants what I've been impressed with with the Giants list management is that they're a lot of times they're going cheap they're going with like you know veterans you know, like Matty DeBoer Matty DeBoer was not like a feared opponent really when he was at Frio then he comes mm-hmm. to the Giants he becomes one of those specialized taggers and boom he's yeah putting the rest of the competition on notice I think the Giants have done a very good job overall in terms of finding free agents that aren't going to break the bank, but who are going to be, they're going to work their ass off. They're going to hustle and they're going to be a, a big part of uh, the culture, help mentor the younger kids. I think there's a, a very good nucleus, like well, and as you, the right, the right mixture on the list, you know, young and as you mentioned, players and veterans. So as you mentioned though, you know, you, you're, you, as you mentioned, they're kind of off the beaten path, you know, so if you've, if you've got free agents who are, used to and embrace being in that spotlight of, of, of Victoria, they may have a bit of a difficult time bringing somebody in, in that situation. They're going to have to find the right person that wants to come into that situation, you know, in a, in a big metropolitan area like Sydney, but a, kind of away from the footy spotlight. Yeah. And um, yeah. I definitely agree with that. And um, yeah, no, I think um, at the end of the day, whether it's a free agent or a draft pick, like, mm-hmm you know, there's, there's always going to be uh, media fodder when it comes to like, oh, is so-and-so homesick? Is so-and-so right, right. looking for a trade? And there's nothing wrong with that. I just think at the end of the day, if you're a smart footballer, you just want to go where you can win and where you can fit in the culture and, you know, where you can be a contributor. And again, regardless of location, regardless of flags no flags whatever it is the giants have definitely done a good job of building a roster and yeah they've had those concessionary picks they've had you know uh but again you know the suns had that too the giants have taken advantage of it the suns have and at the end of the day i think you know this this is a, a um a club that's in good position to contend again if we're gonna you know, I'm not saying the premiership window is going to stay open forever. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a realist. But again, with the, with the young players we've been developing and the veterans we've been able to get to stay, uh, I, think it, I think it's phenomenal. And I think it's, it's, um, you know, it's really good to see. Well, you know, looking at the, at the fixture for this year, yes. uh, you know, yeah. you're, you're, the clubs that you're doubling up against this year, it, it could be a pretty challenging set of, you know, 10 games there. Of course you've got Sydney twice, but then you right. also got, you know, Brisbane, the Bulldogs, you know, two clubs that are probably going to be in the eight Fremantle that if they ever figure out how to put a couple more goals, a game on the board could be <laughs> there. And 
you know, the perennially, perennially rebuilding blues that maybe with a new senior coach in place actually gets things going in the right direction. So that's a pretty challenging group of 10 games there that yeah, they've got. Yes. It's, it's an ambitious schedule. And, yeah. um, and of course, you know, being the giants, we are going to have um, a few key games in Canberra. Those mm-hmm. are always fun. And we do have a, a, a really solid record there. Um, it looks like this year, let's see what we've got. So for the, the games at uh, Manuco, or I think the, the, the new name is UNSW Canberra. <laughs> it's Australia. The, the, the stadium names change more often than I change my shoes. So, yeah. <laughs> but um, I'm glad we, you went with uh, shoes. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, uh, we got St. Kilda. We've got Geelong. Yeah, we're, we're playing you guys at, at um, in Canberra. Okay. Uh, we've got, who else do we have in the ACT? Uh, we're playing Brisbane there. For, um, I think that's um, the quote-unquote home game for us. Okay, you know, right, right. Canberra games do technically count as home games. Uh, and then we've got uh, Freya as well. So, yeah, and, and I think, like, the current deal – with Canberra is something like you know, four or five games a year for mm-hmm. me. It's like four premiership games and one preseason game. I'm not sure, but um, it, it is good. Cause like, you know, it's not a huge stadium at all, but we've definitely developed a, a pretty solid uh, supporter base in Canberra. Of course, yeah. Canberra is kind of like historically it's like half rugby, half foot. Of course there is no full-time footy team there. So they've done a, a pretty solid job of embracing uh, the Giants and kind of viewing, you know, taking ownership of them just as much as uh, Western Sydney has been uh, slowly but surely doing. So I think okay. that's good. And um, obviously, it's cold. It's very, very cold in Canberra during during footy season. Yeah, but, I remember. Uh, the, I remember seeing snow there last year or the year before. Yeah, I think it was the year before. It was like I think it was the first snow ever recorded in an mm-hmm. AFL match. So pretty incredible. Yeah. But. Uh, but no, I think, um, yeah, the schedule, you know, the fixture is, is definitely ambitious. And of course we're opening up with the Swans, uh, for round one on the 18th of March. So yeah, it's going to be fun. I think it's definitely going to be fun. And it's, I don't think it's something we're shying away from. I think the Giants love competing. I think they love, you know, really, you know, bringing it to everybody and, uh, being physical and just having that, that, uh, you know, blue collar, you know, go, go to work, do your job mentality. So I think, um, yeah, it's exciting. Okay. So, uh, had a couple, you know, um, couple other little, just your opinion here. What is your, what is your bold prediction for the club this year? What's, what's the one you want to go out there and kind of walk out on the limb and say, boom, this is what I'm saying is going to happen. Well, again, I, I already have been pretty bullish about, you know, so um, I, I think that, again, Keneally is going to have a big comeback year, and I think he might actually um, pull some Brownlow votes. That is, if Josh Kelly doesn't beat him to it first. <laughs> call, okay. call me crazy. Call me crazy. But I think those two blokes are long overdue for some okay. AFL-wide recognition. I mean, everyone hates going up against them because they're just – it's one of those things they're just so – prolific and so productive with right, getting your right. hands on, on the footy you know you, you you can't stop them you just have to slow them down and i think and usually a slow day at the office for josh kelly is like 22 disposals so yeah, yeah. I, I think those if those guys are fit and healthy again we've got hopper ash all tom green so many young guys who are hungry to to crack that midfield rotation but right, if everyone's right. healthy they might be challenged to hold on to those spots. And I think having a deep midfield, there's, you can never go wrong with a deep midfield, put it that way, especially True. in the modern game where, you know, it's, it's more congested. It, there's, you know, it's more physical, like th- there is, yeah, you can never have too much depth there. And I definitely think Canelio is going to have a, there's no comeback player of the year award in the AFL, but if there was, I, I reckon he, if he can stay healthy and have a, uh, you know, 2017, 2018 level campaign. Mm-hmm. I am totally okay with that. Yeah, he he would he would definitely be up there. But of course, let's just put it out there. I think we know who would probably win that. And that, you know, if they come back with a typical season, it's going to be Dusty getting that award. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I'm asking this of everybody except for one club. But uh, can anybody stop Melbourne? 
I, I think um, if there is a rematch between the doggies and the D's, mm-hmm. I think now I'm not saying like, I'm not saying a, a grand final rematch, that'd be epic, but yeah. um, it, if they meet each other again in the, in the finals, which given that they're, they're both definitely prelim contenders. So that could easily happen. Right. Um, I'm sure you'll want your cats to uh, play spoiler, of course, but um, I do think the doggies, it's just so stupid to count them at, at this point. Right, right. They were like, st- the fact that they were still making finals as like a seventh or eighth seed when they were supposed to be rebuilding. Like mm-hmm. uh, Luke Beveridge has just done a phenomenal job in every way. And I think, you know, obviously they were gutted. They couldn't, you know, such a good first half in the grand final. They just couldn't keep that momentum going. So uh, they're definitely going to be back. And I'd like to think that they'll, that they could be favored in an upset or not upset in a rematch. Yeah. Yeah. But again, you know, like footy is a funny game and this, this is a long season that we're talking about. So I do think the doggies could knock the D's off. If they're firing on, on all cylinders, maybe mm-hmm. Brisbane, maybe Port, maybe Richmond, maybe Geelong. But again, when it comes to those teams being rock solid consistently, yeah. I mean, like it, I mean, you know, the AFL is not immune to other sports. You know, it's not who's the best during the season. It's who catches fire at the right mm-hmm. time. Exactly. Uh, like, like the Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> I was thinking that exact same thing. Yes. I, 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 I'm taking, I'm taking, I'm taking solace in the fact that the Browns beat the Bengals twice this year. Yeah. So. And, and it's funny because everyone was thinking the 49ers would do the same thing to the Rams. Yeah. When they yeah. Met for the third time because the Niners had won twice. But anyway, I think with footy, it's the same thing. But at the same time, throughout 95% of last season, everyone had the D's as, as breaking the drought, as finally winning the flag. And mm-hmm. whether you're a D's fan or not, you know, it's, it's hard not to get choked up seeing Neil Danaher smiling and, right, right. You know, like, with, with the trophy i mean those are the types of moments that we love and i i i'm not a d supporter actually only know like two or three d supporters to be honest with you but it, you love seeing drafts get broken. oh yeah you love yeah. seeing and, and and they deserved it and and it was funny because like i know you had uh your boy cockatoo um mm-hmm. as a as an inspiring figure that really got your attention when you first started getting into footy well, I kid you not, the, the guy before I, even before I started barracking for the Giants, the one player that really jumped off the screen for me was Petraka. Mm-hmm. And then, then, you know, finding out that, you know, just like Pendlebury, he's got the basketball background. He's about my height. He's about my weight. Just the excitement, the passion that he plays with. Like, it's like, <laughs> you obviously like, you know, you're going to, you're going to high five and hug your teammates after a goal. I feel like Petraka right. is one of those blokes where, if they let him, he would high five and hug every D supporter in the state. Cause he's just that kind of positive energetic yeah. guy that everyone loves watching and everyone loves playing with. Cause mm-hmm. he's just one of those guys. And, and again, just in terms of his style of play, I really gravitated towards that when I yeah. first started Makes sense. And Makes sense. Footing because uh, he's just a, an entertaining guy to watch for sure. So I, you know, I hadn't planned on asking this and I don't think I've asked you this before then. So how did you end up gravitating to becoming a giant supporter then? It's funny that you asked that. Um, I do have a distant family connection. I have like some third cousins that I've never met who are in New South Wales somewhere, but, um, okay. but I also, um, you know, like I, I didn't really have a ton of reference points, uh, like in terms of like, Oh, come on, mate, you got to, barrack for the giant or not not giants you gotta go for the tigers or the eagles or one one of the one of the good clubs you know one mm-hmm. of the historic clubs or right like i mean like there, there i didn't have that much pressure but at the same time like the way i saw the giants play and i was barracking for them when they were still they weren't awful but they definitely weren't flag contenders either this was like right, 2015, right. 2015 2016 before they really broke through and started making finals every year so but at the same time, I kind of gravitate towards them just because I was like, okay, they're, they're building this club the right way. They've got some young kids. They've got some veterans. Yeah, they're taking their lumps now. They're getting mm-hmm. shafted a, a lot of the time. But, you know, like th- there seems to be a lot of trust and a lot of positivity in that organization. And, you know, in time, the results are going to come. So, right, right. Yeah, so I, I definitely wasn't a bandwagoner. I definitely wanted to 
find a club that, you know, might break my heart, but yeah. not as frequently as others. And okay. Okay. Carlton, Frio, St. Hilda, like, I'm not, I'm not that much of a masochist. I'm sorry. I'm just oh. not. You know? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, uh, let's jump into our questions that I have for you, our trivia questions here. Let's see, let's see how you do on these. I, okay. I gotta ask you, Craig. Are you yes, doing sir. this for? Are you doing this for every interview? Or just I for- am. I'm doing that. I'm asking. Well, I have had one person, uh, <clears throat> my cat supporter, who I'm interviewing on Friday, said that they are lousy with trivia. So we're not. I don't think we're going to do that. I yeah. You know, I they're also a Green Bay Packers fan, so maybe I'll ask them a Packers question. Um. So, but here's the first one for you. Uh. Who led the Giants in disposals per game average in 2021? Either Kelly or Hopper, I'm going to say. Well, one of those came in second. Actually, Tim Toronto, 26.54, and Hopper was at 26.35. So they were both very close to one another. So I would give give you partial credit on that one. Okay. Okay. Now, um, you're grading on a curve. I am grading on a curve. Yes. <laughs> who, who led the club in total number of tackles in 2021? I am going to go with Kelly on that. You're, you'd be right on that. Josh Kelly with 129 Toronto had in 128. Yep. Okay. Now this, this one, this is going to take some, this, this is a good question. I think, and I'm going to pat myself on the back here real quickly. You know, the, the Giants record book for most hitouts in a game have been is dominated by Shane Mumford. Right. Okay. The you know, you look online, you know, he has 18 of the top 20 spots for a number of hitouts in a game. One other player holds the other two spots. Do you know who that is? And they had they had 56 hitouts in one game in 2019 and 46 in a game in 2018. Hmm. That's a good one. Hmm. And they are no longer on their list. That narrows it down a little bit. Um, <laughs> hmm. Was it maybe? Uh, I'm trying to remember. I think he was. Kieran Briggs? I don't think he's still on the list. Nope. Think, think two iconic teen. Well, I'm I'm gonna go Dawson Simpson. Oh, right, right. I was thinking yeah. Dawson's I was gonna go with Dawson's Creek and the Simpsons there for you, but uh <laughs> ah, no, that was very clever, very yeah. clever. I um well, of course, I'm sure mummy's also in the record books a couple of years for Geelong, too. And uh yeah, Simpson, he was only with us for, um, you know, a, a few seasons, mm-hmm. and it felt like shorter than that, because yeah. he had a lot of injury issues, and, you know, retired a little early, he's right. still still barely in, he's 32, and he's been retired for like four years now, so some unlucky injury uh, luck there, bad but breaks there. I do remember, I do remember him, he, he had some good Okay, moments. okay, yeah. which, which in the history of the Giants, which club have the Giants defeated the least number of times in their history? Hmm. Well, obviously, Giants have been in the league for a decade. And mm-hmm. Thinking of who's been the most dominant over that time period. I'm actually going to guess your cats. Nope. The North mm-hmm. Melbourne Kangaroos. Really? Three wow. win, three wins, one draw, and seven losses against North Melbourne in their I history. I'm pretty sure all of those wins came within the last few years because <laughs> but before, I mean, I mean, before Boomer Harvey retired, like the, the Roos, the Roos were you know finals contenders every yeah. year. So like I from like you know Giants entered the competition 2012. So like mm-hmm. from 2012 to 2018, like you know North was pretty solid. Right. Right. All right. Who did GWS defeat in their first ever qualifying final game in 2016? I think it was 
wasn't Collingwood, wasn't Frio, Adelaide, maybe? Was the Swans. Oh, okay. Yeah. Was the Swans. Yeah, yep. 2016. Oh, yep. okay. Yep. Right. So their first ever one. And yeah. the, la- the last trivia question that I have for you here, how many total games has Toby Green been suspended for in his entire career? Oh, I think it's he's up to a full season now. 22? Well, based upon what I read, it was 14. So maybe he, ha- maybe he hasn't – maybe I got some bad information there. Maybe it's not counting the games he still has to play or has to oh. miss yet this year. <laughs> I could be wrong on that. So you know what? We're going to not count that question there because that, that's, a, that's a crappy question. This is why I curve the test because I write bad questions <laughs> from time to time. All right. So – so I told you we were going to come back to that. Yeah, you no. have to get back to me yeah. once we're off the air and yep. let me know which one was accurate. So. Okay, last thing for you before we wrap up here. Okay. September, the end of September rolls around. The season is done. What is the newspaper headline about the GWS Giants? Well, obviously, I hope it's uh, Giants win the flag. Oh. Don't we all hope that? Yeah. But um, I... Uh, again, I do think we have the element of surprise on our side. I do think that even with you know the last few years when we've been close but not close enough, I still think we don't get as respected as okay. say you know, West Coast or Port or Brisbane or mm-hmm. or even or even a Victorian club like you know um, Essendon. Yeah, Essendon. Like yeah. I think. Um, well, I mean, most people are still making jokes at Essendon's expense, right? For right. One reason or another, but yes, I, that's I, true. I, I do think there's, um, you know, there's a lot of heart, there's a lot of talent, there's a lot of competitiveness on this list. And again, my expectations are somewhat modest. You know, mm-hmm. history tells me to, you know, not bet the whole house on the Giants, but I really do think we have the ingredients to go on a run and really take the competition by storm if we stay healthy and if we, you know, if the young players still develop well, you know, if, and if guys like uh, like Bruce and Brander and some of the other guys that we brought in are able to plug in right away and contribute, because right, right. I think um, again, I think there's a lot of chemistry on this list. I think there's some good leadership, um, and yeah, just it's it's going to be a fun season because you know it's always a fun season. And I think um, there there's put it this way: the Giants are a team that that, all, that seems to rise to the occasion more often than not. And mm-hmm. again, like it's it's always a great payback seeing, Oh, I don't know, uh, Dunstall or Gary Lyon or any talking head on TV being surprised by, by how good GWS played or who they upset or how yeah. they played or, or, um, just, I think there, there's definitely, um, you know, I don't want, I hesitate to use the term sleeping giant, of course, but right, um, right. I think there's, there's definitely a dark horse element to GWS this year. And, there, again, at the very least, we forced everyone to respect us last year because we were on the road so much. Mm-hmm. We still made it a bit of a dent in finals. We just couldn't get through to the prelim. And of course, the the, the best thing was that we we knocked the Swans out of the finals. So we can definitely rest on our laurels when it comes to that. I, yeah. I think, um, oh yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to some more uh, spicy rivalry moments with the Swans. The unfortunate thing is that we're facing the Swans in round one so buddy is almost certain to break the record against us i thought he had five i think he had five to go didn't he he did and of course all eyes are going to be on him well (laughs) see see, there's a goal to have then is to make you know to to not let him get more than four exactly you know (laughs) i don't think um i don't think the paper headline is going to be like buddy just gets four yeah yeah but i i I mean either way you know can you can you can you tag a key forward you know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I reckon, I reckon Sam Taylor. You know, if he's healthy, or maybe we'll have Phil Davis on him. I have a feeling yeah. Davis is going to get the job, but you know, I'm sure he'll be, he'll definitely be uh, prepared. That's for sure. Right, right, cool. Well, Rick, I thank you for taking time out of your afternoon, sir. Um, this was a lot of fun. We had some good laughs here, and I think the Giants are going to be, you know, a club that people are going to have to contend with this year. You know, they're you know, they, you know, Finlayson left, left the club, but it's still yeah, a very, very solid side that they've got there, you know, and right. you know, yeah, a lot of those, even, we didn't even mention him, yeah. uh, but, but again, I mean, we, we, uh, we replaced Jezza, you know, mm-hmm. Finlayson, like he, he's, you know, he's a great player, no doubt, but, um, 
But no, yeah, I mean, he he did have a bit of a down year. And I think a, a fresh start with poor might do him some good. But right, right. I, I do, especially, you know, since Charlie Dixon isn't getting any younger over there. But he's, um, he's banged up right now, too. Yeah. But yeah. um, but no, I, again, there, there's definitely reasons for positivity. I'm really excited to see if some of these new draftees, uh, including um, uh, Alir, not Alir, Alir. Right, right. And um, I think they even spell it differently. But um. But no, he, he, I'm really excited about him. I'm really excited about, you know, seeing Lockie Ash and Tom Green out there again. There's there's definitely reasons to be optimistic. And, you know, can't wait for round one. We're almost exactly a month out. Absolutely. Yes. Which means I need to get off the stick here. I've got three more. In, I've got three more interviews scheduled this week. There you and, go. Uh, and I, I, I literally, I have a half dozen that are done that I haven't even begun to edit yet so i mean i i have a i have a pretty decent back catalog of uh of interviews that i'm ready to come out with here that uh i just need to find the time to do it like i said you know of course my son's going to be home this week so we'll he's not going to be helping me with that then but uh you know hopefully we'll get to get to hang out a little bit if he's not hanging out with his buddies but rick thanks so much for taking time out of your day man it's always great to talk to you yeah you are you are you are a a great ambassador for this game and, you know, if you're listening to this for the first time and you're somebody who is just starting to explore this game, here's a gentleman who has, has embraced this game. And I, I think that I think I can safely say that, that in your list of, of uh, sports that you are involved with and following and that sort of thing, that this is way up at the top of your list as well. Yeah, it's uh, it, I appreciate the kind words, Craig. You know, it's 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 amazing to see how much Yang on the Footy has grown, and it's it's just a, a fun time of year in general now because like we're all you know all the American fans are kind of switching mentally, uh, right, from, right, from gridiron from basketball right. over to footy, and I I my my own mom is always you know she she's fairly big on sport, and like she uh she she's always complained about you know the summer is so boring for sports and i'm like well it's not in in the southern hemisphere you know you yes watch footy once in a while but uh, have, have, but have no. you have you shared have you shared your password with her yeah <laughs> not yet maybe, maybe maybe one of these days there you but, go uh, but yeah it's um and for those of you who've not listened to, to to rick on here before when when i started the podcast back in 2019 he he was literally the first person that when I put out this idea that, hey, I'm an American thinking about starting a podcast, he's the first person that reached out to me and didn't say, hey, you're an idiot for trying this. Uh, he, 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 he relished the idea and he's been, he's been a huge supporter of me while well, this has been going on. And I can't, I can't thank him enough for that. And it's, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad to call you a friend, sir. And it's, it's, uh, you know, who knows, maybe, maybe uh, you know, summer next year, Maybe you and I are having lunch at LAX or something like that there as I, as I have yeah. a lengthy layover. <laughs> hope, hope so. And, uh, and Hey, if, if you're, if you're able to make the trip out here for nationals in October or for USAFL, it's, I'm, yeah, I know we'll, you'll have a blast. Yeah, I know we'll, it's, it's challenging with your, with your work schedule and with school and all that. I'll, ha- stuff, I'll have to look at that. That's, that's going to be. I'll ha- I haven't even thought about looking at that yet, but that's I'm pretty uh, sure it's um it's I'm pretty sure it's Columbus Day weekend. So. Okay, I'll ha- I'll have to check that out then. All right, well, <laughs> ladies and gents, my guest has been Rick Shabani of the LA Dragons and a huge GWS supporter. Rick, again, thanks so very much, man. My pleasure. Appreciate it. Thank you, Craig. Have a good one. And a huge thank you to Rick of the LA Dragons for being so generous with his time. Always love talking footy with Rick. He's uh, just a, a, an outstanding gentleman. Now, don't forget that you can reach me at yankonthefooty at gmail.com and also on Twitter at yank underscore on. And you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at yankonthefooty. And you can also find the podcast over on YouTube by searching out my name, Craig Wessels. And if you haven't done so yet, I do hope that you'll subscribe to the mailing list. I'm not bombarding you with emails every day or anything of that nature. Uh, when a new episode comes out, I do send a link to that so you got it ahead of when it will show up on all of the different podcast hosting sites. So I hope you'll consider signing up for that. And also when there's a live episode that comes out, I will shoot you a link uh, many hours beforehand. So you have an idea of when it's going to be happening. So you can hop on the live episode. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for listening. Rick had some great insight into the giants for this year. Uh, We're fans of our clubs. 
Rick is, of course, a fan of the Giants. But overall, footy's back. Games are going to be at full capacity throughout much of the comp this year. And I can't wait to get the men's comp going. Absolutely enjoying the women's comp this year as well. Now, if you're enjoying the show, I do hope that you'll consider sharing the link for the podcast or for this favorite episode of yours. And if you're so inclined and you want to head over to my website and click on the review button up there, you can leave a review for the show as well. And that'll take you right out to Apple Podcasts, which will allow you to do that, or Podchaser. Or you can leave a review right on the website. And again, ladies and gentlemen, I thank you so very much for your continued kind words and support. And as always, may your dribble kick never hit the post. And I will catch you later. This has been episode 134 of A Yank on the Footy. Don't forget that you can reach me at yank underscore on on Twitter or to yankonthefooty at gmail.com. I do hope you'll check out the website, yankonthefooty.com. And you can also find me on Instagram and on Facebook. Just search out A Yank on the Footy. Again, thanks so very much for listening. And please consider sharing the podcast with your friends and family. And until next time, goodbye. <laughs>